America. Welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. Thank you for joining me. I'm feeling a little better today. I don't know. Maybe you could still hear it in my voice a little bit. Uh, I just continue to to take in the Kofix via the throat and nasal spray. Not navel spray. Nasal spray. Just sometimes, you know, navel comes out and I'm I'm not sure why, but but I owe my health, I think, to the good Lord and to Cofix RX throat and nasal spray. So I apologize if you can still hear it. Uh, if you can still hear it a little bit uh, in my throat, I'm working through it. Uh, I may hit I, I I may have to hit the the cough button a couple times, but uh, we're gonna work through it and we're just gonna uh, we're gonna make it excellent. It's an excellent day. I feel like it's an excellent day anyway. Uh, you know, yesterday was, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking yesterday about the great books. And today, I am subbing in seventh grade English. For those of you that you know, maybe you're new to the show, um, I also am head of school at Waterbrook Christian Academy, in addition to 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 being on air here Monday through Friday at the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot. I'm also head of school. It's a K-12 Christian classical school. Uh, and our seventh grade uh, English lit teacher, Mrs. Ball, who's also the administrator, but um, her and I both teach a couple classes. And uh, she's out this week. So I am taking her seventh grade literature class. And we're reading the autobiography of Frederick Douglass. And it is, it is something else. Talk about the great books. Talk about wanting to think about great men. I read that poem to you yesterday uh, called The Truly Great. And that first line is, uh, you know, I, I, I often, he says, I, I like to think about uh, the truly great. The great men and women; uh, th these are people that we should read about and think about. Uh, and so we're we're reading Fred F Frederick Douglass, uh, and seventh grade is just they're they're you know they're they're taking this in they're they're taking this this beautiful literature this wonderful um, narrative that Frederick Douglass gives. If you've not read. Uh, you know, Frederick Douglass, you need to, you, you you know, buy his book, buy the book. I'm, I'm sure you can get it anywhere. You know, read his speeches and just, you know, listen to this man, you know, because he is, he is, is one of the American greats that I think every, every middle school student needs to be reading. And, and they need somebody with some intelligence to help them, you know, guide them along in, in, in comprehension and explanation and, you know, to take them through this journey. All right. Enough of that. But I want to read to you what we read today. It's, oh, man, you're going to love it. All right. This is the, uh, the second to the last paragraph at the end of chapter 10. And uh, he says... He says this, I have found that to make a contented slave, it is necessary to make a thoughtless one. 
okay, these are the people who uh, who were in charge, right? These are the slaveholders. These are the masters. And and this is what Frederick Douglass is, he, you know, in, in his thoughts and his own thinking, he, he's starting to come to this conclusion. He says, I have found that to make a contented slave, it is necessary to make a thoughtless one. It is necessary to darken his moral and mental vision, and as far as possible to annihilate the power of reason. He must be able to detect no inconsistencies in slavery. He must be made to feel that slavery is right, and he can be brought to that only when he ceases to be a man. I'm just, you know, we're 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 reading this, and I'm thinking this is this is the the attitude of liberalism. All right, I mean that these men, these the, the, the these white Southern Democrats were the epitome of of liberalism. Okay, it. it I mean, I can. It was the Democrats, by the way, the white Southern Democrats who who thought this way, who felt this way. They, they thought and believed that a contented slave is, in order to, to be content, the slave had to be a thoughtless one. They didn't want, the, 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 the white Democrats did not want the slaves to have the, the power of thought. He says it is necessary to darken his moral and mental vision and as far as possible to annihilate the power of reason. The Democrat Party, this is this is who they are. This is this is communism, this is Marxism, this is the progressive left. And I I'm going to extrapolate it from the, the desire of the of the white. Democrat slave masters over the slaves, and I'm going to bring that to today, to modern times, because this is what the Democrat Party wants for all of society. Think about it. Uh, they 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 want us thoughtless. They 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 want us to have a darkened moral and mental vision. Look at what's happening in schools. You know, when when you have in America, and and I, I repeat this phrase a lot, I don't think I repeat it enough. I think I need to repeat it over and over and over un, until we uh, until either we get sick of it or we we realize that it is horrible. And and the phrase is this: two thirds of America's eighth graders are not proficient in math and reading. And only 13% are proficient in American history. This, my friends, is a lack of any mental fortitude at all. This has darkened mental vision. And on top of that, Douglas says that the white Democrats wanted the slaves to have a darkened moral vision. And we're watching this unfold before our very eyes in public education where morality's gone. It's been gone since the 1960s. 
and and we are on this this fast track of deterioration without morality where where now you know you've got a second grade textbook that is as about a little boy who you know wants his shadow to be pink that's where we're at today and it's what the it's what the the white southern democrats wanted of the slaves in in the days of Frederick Douglass and it's what the white democrats want today for all of society this is an issue with the democrats because it's a way of thinking it's it, it, it is a can i say it's a demented way of thinking Douglas goes on. He says, as far as possible, they want to annihilate the power of reason. And we're watching this today. The amazing thing here is, you know, Douglas is talking about, about the attitude of Democrats in his day towards black people. And today we, we still see it, but it's towards all of society. If you don't... Uh, uh, if if you have a different point of view than the Democrats have, then then you're the enemy, and th they need for society to not have the ability to think and reason. Th they need for society to not have morals and not have any any mental vision. Uh, th this is what they need because th then what they believe and what they preach, and they do preach it. What they believe in, what they preach, it'll be easier, uh, you know, for them to um, make it a thing, you know, for them to, uh, it'll be easier for them to then ingrain it in our culture. Uh, it'll be easier for them to, uh, you know, pass what they want to pass, for them to, to make happen what they want to make happen if society and culture does not have the ability to reason and to think or have have morals or, or any mental vision at all whatsoever they haven't changed whole grouping has not changed uh, you know this article here that i had hoped to get into yesterday what can a nation do when over a million students can't read can't read proficiently this article is out of australia uh, it says the the perennial discussion about the reading ability of Australia's primary and high school children reached yet another milestone with the publication of a report by the Grattan Institute. The report called "The Reading Guarantee: How to Give Every Child the Best Success" reveals that Australia is experiencing a reading crisis. Australia has an unacceptably high number of children and adolescents who fail to reach minimal proficiency standards in reading. Minimal. The report said, noting that about one in three Australian students are not meeting grade-level expectations in reading. One in three. All right, that's, um, I mean, that's, you know, we're two-thirds of eighth graders. All right. Uh, this, my friends, is what a, a liberal. This is what liberalism and education uh, does to those being educated. 
it says thus a third of primary and high school children, approximately 1.2 million students cannot read proficiently at the level expected of them at their age. When they fall behind, they are in, inadequate. They, there are inadequate resources to help them become confident readers. Uh, of course, the problem highlighted by the by the Grotan is not new, but it confirms that the problem remains unsolved, and the number of children who suffer from a reading disability steadily increases. Uh, it, there is a solution to the problem, though. It, it, mm, there's a solution to the problem, and the solution is get rid of liberalism from our education system. The solution is let's go back to what education used to be. Let's go back to a classical Christian education. Dean, you can't have a Christian education in public schools. Well, uh, you know, then maybe you find a school for your child that is not a public school. Maybe you find a school for your child that has a classical Christian school. The report identifies the usual suspects. So it talks about, you know, the reasons for this. You know, what are the reasons for these, these poor reading scores? The report identifies the usual suspects, which are differences in the way reading is taught in classrooms. How we need to ditch the whole word method. It should it should go. We should bring back phonics if we want to truly teach our kids to read. There's a way to do it, and it's called phonics. Teach them to sound out the letters. Then as they put the letters together, they can create words. Okay. So that's their uh, that's their first suspect differences in the way reading is taught in classrooms, and I just solved that. All right, I, I just I just gave them the solution. So when they say, um, <clears throat> "But the problem remains unsolved," it doesn't because I just solved it, and it took me only thirty seconds. But that's not all. Uh, their their second suspect is poor school resources. Ah, you know what? That is such a lame excuse. It it truly is a lame excuse. It, because at Waterbrook, we we get a fraction of the money per pupil, a fraction, and it's a very small fraction. And we are providing an absolutely stellar education. And you know, we don't have a lot of resources. We're not uh, you know, we're not a mega rich private school, but we don't have a lot of resources. But what we have, we absolutely use to our best, best ability. Their third reason, lack of knowledge and skills on the part of teachers to teach reading. The teachers, they, they lack the knowledge and the skills to teach reading. How are they certified? How are... Uh, again, this is Australia. This is not America. All right. So, you know, let's let's remind the audience of that. But I am uh, I am sensing a comparison here. All right, because Australia doesn't seem like like they're that they're as worse as we are. Okay, we're two thirds. They're you know one and three. They haven't hit two and three yet. Give them time; they're going to. Uh, so their their third reason: lack of knowledge and skill on the part of teachers to teach reading. Are we seeing that here? I mean, is that why our students? 
you know, two thirds of them are not hitting proficiency when it comes to reading? Is it because of the way we're teaching reading? Yes. Is it because there's poor school resources? Nah, probably not. Is it the lack of knowledge and skills on the part of teachers to teach reading? Possibly, because the way they're teaching is not correct. And so the, these teachers probably don't know how to accurately teach phonics. I mean, th that's probably a factual statement. I say probably because I don't know for sure. Okay, I don't have any research in front of me. I've not, I don't have any numbers. Uh, I, I'm just telling you that 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 makes sense to me, that that answer just makes sense. So that the headline in this article is, what can a nation do when over a million students cannot read proficiently? The answer is simple. It's uh, stop what you're doing and 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 go go to a classical education. Go to phonics. Uh, start reading great books and 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 reading and writing and thinking about great men and women. Uh, yeah, start um, with, with actual history. Uh, you know, let's let's have and I, again, I'm I'm bringing this back to America. Let's have a higher percentage of students that understand American history. I mean, right now we're at thirteen percent. That's horrible. To, to have 13% of the students in this country not have a proper understanding, uh, only 13%, I'm sorry, only 13% that have a proper understanding of the history of the country. 87% of our students don't have an understanding of, of, our, of our history. That, my friends, is a true epidemic. That is... Um, Oh, as a country, we can't keep this up. Our kids need to know and understand our history. All right, so what can a nation do when over a million students cannot read proficiently? Stop what you're doing. Just stop and 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 throw it out. And and don't start over. Don't try to recreate, you know, and, and come up with, with something brand spanking new and novel. Uh, go back to what you were doing. Go back to yesteryear when students were truly educated. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at that eighth grade exam from 1908. We looked at the uh, the the eighth grade reading list from 1912. Ah, oh, I mean, we, we've got to get back to that if if we want to uh, to to turn this ship around. We that's just where we've. That's where we've got to be. Um, you know, we've got, uh, uh, I'm looking at this article here. This one is entitled, uh, Why American Kids Are Hip to BLM and LGBT But Are Failing ABC and 123. Uh, and this article's got some, some very interesting information in it uh, that we need to dive into because it, um, it goes hand in hand with with what we're talking about. I'm looking at the clock, and I see that I'm a little long in this in this first segment. So let's pause here for a break. We will pick this up on the other side. You're listening to the Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio.
Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill, it's a patent pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer, this stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Welcome back to The Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can find us here Monday through Friday, the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot. And no matter how you are listening, we are happy that you are listening. Uh, so thank you for doing it. Uh, we are looking at uh, and have been for a couple of days now uh, talking about an education that involves the great books, involves reading, learning, and studying about great individuals. I started off, you know, reading a, a piece from uh, Frederick Douglass, and he talked about the. Um, I'm not going to reiterate it here, but but he 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 talks about the attitude of the white Democrat slave master and that attitude in the Democrats. Uh, is is prevalent today that they don't want thinkers now if you vote democrat i'm not necessarily talking about you um uh, you know good people vote democrat i don't know why uh, i'm being serious i don't know why good people would vote for a party that is hell-bent on destroying thought that is hell-bent on annihilating reason, that is hell-bent on removing, uh, as Fred, Frederick Douglass put it, a, a moral and mental vision from society. They want to remove it from society by, by kicking it out of education. Uh, yeah, the, and it's happening on purpose. So in, in this first segment, again, this article is out of Australia, but it's entitled, what can a nation do when over a million students can't read proficiently? So you got a million kids, over a million kids in Australia that are struggling uh, to, to read at a proficient level. And I'll tell you what, what you do. You stop what you're doing. You, I mean, right here, you change everything and you go back to a classical model. 
Now, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in Australia. It's not going to happen here in America for one one reason, and that's uh, the power brokers that are the teachers' union. That's just teachers' unions are not going to allow – they're not going to roll over and let that happen. They have a power base extraordinaire. So the other day I was having a conversation right here with, with Alex Newman, and he highlighted, he outlined, he, he described – uh, the 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 historical behemoth, which which is the teachers union, and how from the get go they wanted power, so they could incorporate their their agenda, their doctrines, their dogma into the hearts and minds of the American youth, and therefore into the hearts and minds of American society. Now, looking at this article here, and I alluded to it before the break. It is entitled, Why America's Kids Are Hip to BLM and LGBT, But Are Failing ABC and 123. The author is a former public school teacher of 28 years. And her premise, her thesis, her underlying argument is teachers' unions are at fault. Uh, I, I can't disagree with her. I really can't. She outlines... And, uh, you know, shows some historical anecdotal evidence, which you just can't. And not only anecdotal evidence, but uh, empirical data that just can't be ignored. She says, uh, did you know the first full week of February is the celebration of Black Lives Matter Week of Action in many public schools? Did you know that? Maybe if you have a child in, in a public school, maybe check their district, you know, find out. Of course, now it's, you know, Black History Month is almost over, so it's probably too little too late, but it won't be for next year. Uh, she says it's puzzling to consider why public schools, whose responsibility is to serve the taxpayers by educating children in academics and citizenship, would set aside an entire week to promote an organization that boldly claimed it disrupts the Western prescribed nuclear family structure and inspires young people to riot. Because that's what BLM uh, did. That, that, that was their proclamation. That they wanted to destroy the Western nuclear family. They wanted to, to raise a generation of kids that weren't afraid to riot. That they just wanted to get out in the streets and, and disrupt the system. Hmm. Sounds like communism to me. But the the author continues, since I was a public school teacher for 28 years, I know exactly why America's schools have lost their mission to educate. The reason? Unions, pure and simple. She just comes out with guns a-blazing. She's not messing around. She's going to call out the unions. In fact, she says so-called teachers' unions help start BLM. I know this because they bragged about it on the front cover of a magazine they used to force on my husband when he was a professor at a state-run university. Now, she doesn't tell us what the magazine is. I wish she did. Uh, most people think unions exist to help teachers with bargaining for wages and working conditions. But after 70 collective years of being forced to fund unions, my husband and I beg to differ. 
Unions don't help teachers. They damage everything teachers cherish, including the students in our charge. And that damage is incalculable. Now, uh, a few weeks ago, we were talking about an article uh, out of Chicago that talked about the Chicago Teachers Union. And you may recall that article said only 17% of the dues collected by the Chicago Teachers Union actually went to go fund things for teachers. 17%. Uh, so 83% of, of the dues, where is it going? It's going to the, the uh, union leadership and it's going to uh, to politicians. That's it. It's going to overhead. Union leadership pays their salaries, pays their perks, you know, whatever they get, their bonuses, their, you know, I don't know, well, whatever, their, their conferences in, in Hawaii or wherever they go. And the rest goes to, to fund uh, political campaigns. Because they know if they fund the politician, they've got control of the politician, and then they can put their people in, and they can kind of dictate, and they can run the show. That's how What's-His-Face ended up being mayor of Chicago. What's-His-Name Johnson? I don't even know. that. And he, he's, you know, he replaced Beetlejuice in Chicago, and he's, he's further left than, than she was or is. But he was an employee of the Chicago Teachers Union. Oh, see, it's all coming together now. I mean, it's been coming together for a long time. Unions are behind the loss of academic freedom in the public schools. They're the inspiration behind politicized curriculum, low and declining performance in language and math. And saddest of all, they're the reason for the sexualization of children. Biggest pushers of revisionist history, she says, or asks, the so-called teachers' unions, abortions on demand, keeping that secret from parents, switching genders, keeping that secret from parents, allowing boys to dominate girls' sports, schooling and social activism, racism, class warfare. Who's behind all that? Unions. Unions. You guessed it. Unions. And then she says that within the profession, uh, unions bully and subvert good teachers while sub supporting radical activists, including BLM leaders. Uh, she, she says that they're turning schools into indoctrination centers and driving good teachers away. Uh, she says it wasn't always so. U.S. school children a generation ago or before compared well with students in other countries. Core subjects received as much emphasis here as they uh, did, say, in Great Britain, India, or New Zealand. Not so these days. That's why about half the nation's 4th, 8th, and 11th graders test so poorly in reading and math. Not even half of them can perform at grade level. Now, we know that two-thirds of them are not proficient. And she goes on to say that half of them Aren't, not only are they not proficient, but they're not at grade level. Now, granted, she's not, uh, you know, she's not giving us, um, you know, any sources. This uh, article, by the way, is out of Fox News. I will link it in my show notes. 
uh, you know, we're, we're going to take her word for it uh, here as a, as a former public school teacher. Again, she's not uh, sourcing, but she does say that uh, 50% of the 4th, 8th, and 11th graders are not performing at grade level. Now, those numbers, while again, while she, I don't see her source, uh, I, I, I don't know that I can readily dispute it. If two-thirds of the country, which we know we have sourced, that it's come from the own for, from the government's own data, uh, and I've sourced it in the past. I don't have that source right in front of me, but but I have sourced that in the past. Two-thirds of the country are not proficient. It makes sense that 50% would not be performing at grade level. Uh, of course, she goes on to say, uh, which is an academic standard that's been dumbed down over recent years because so many students were failing. So grade level, she's saying, is an academic standard, which has been dumbed down. Now, we've seen this in places. We have watched it happen in Oregon where they have, you know, they've stopped their their um, uh, testing for, for seniors. You, you don't have to hit a, a level of, of proficiency if you're a senior in Oregon anymore because it's just so bad. And and we're watching Alaska, which, you know, their their, their testing was uh, was one of the, 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 the top in the country on how they have lowered the bar. We've covered this. And they're they're dumbing it down because kids can't can't hit it. They're just not they're just not reaching it. This, of course, is a catastrophe. Uh -huh. And we could ask the question that they're asking in Australia: uh, What can a nation do? You know, with that question, you know, we could ask it here: What can a nation do? Well, we I've got the answers. I really do. I mean, they're they're they're. They are uh, more simple, simpler than 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 we want to than we want to think. Uh, let's go back to the way it used to be. Let's go back. Let's uh, let's go back to a classical education and let's get rid of the teachers' unions. Let the teachers teach. Oh, but the power that the teacher unions hold—they're just not going to roll over, my friends. All right, she continues. Not a pretty sight for parents hoping their kids will enjoy a more prosperous future than the parents had. And it's especially egregious because unions got us here. They opened the door to BLM allies who work round the clock with unions to convince our children they're either oppressed or they're the ones doing the oppressing. It's troubling to note that tyrants throughout history have used such divide-and-conquer tactics to destabilize and destroy nations as those tactics are working right here in America's classrooms, all thanks to unions, uh, who, of course, uh, Alex Newman, you know, described that they were Marxists and communists from the beginning, and it's not really changed. Uh, she continues, especially telling is the proportion of teachers in government schools who send their own children to private schools. Now, this stat that she drops here, this is very intriguing to me, and, and it, it makes us wonder. You know, we have to ask the question, why? We know the answer, but we still have to ask the question. She says, nationally, about 10% of children attend private schools. All right. But according to Chalkboard News Item, all right, now here she's um, uh, she's given us a, a, a site, Chalkboard News. 
about 21% of teachers working in government schools send their children to private schools. All right. Um, 10% of the country sends their kids to private schools, but 21% of unionized public school teachers send their kids to private schools. Now, it makes me wonder, uh, this could be uh, the, the teachers that are in the union, which, you know, the ones we call the good guys, the actual Americans, the non-communists. I mean, that, you know, that could be the case here. Uh, but she continues and says, in cities where union-inspired policies reign, the fraction is higher. Philadelphia, for example, 44% of teachers uh, in the teachers' union in Philadelphia send their kids to a private school. 41% in Cincinnati. 34% in the in the Bay Area in California, San Francisco, and Oakland. In Chicago, she says, even the teachers' union president, and we've talked about Stacey Davis Gates, and we've talked about this, that she sends uh, one of her children to a private school all while bad-mouthing alternatives to government schools. You know, so she'll, she'll bad-mouth private schools, the president of this teacher's union, but yet she will send her child to the private school at which she's bad-mouthing. And, you know, she does it with a smile on her face. I don't know how you can take her seriously, but she does. Um, about 39% of her fellow teachers in Chicago also send their kids to non-government schools. All right. The, now, these are big numbers. The, and I think we don't have a media, though, that's going to call these people out. But we're going to do it here. We're going to call them out because uh, if we were to ask this question about America, what can a nation do when so many of our students can't read proficiently? I mean, the answer has got to be stop what we're doing and go back to what we used to do which uh, it definitely means getting rid of the teacher's union. And let's go back to a classical education. She says, parents may wonder, what do these teachers know that we don't? You know, these teachers that are that are in the union but sending their kids to a, to a private school, what do they know that we don't? She says the answer is fairly clear. Uh, what non-union alternatives realistically can parents pursue? All right, so that's what uh, we're... we're we're going we're gonna to pause it here because uh, I don't want to go too long like I did in segment one. But uh, the question is, what non-union alternatives, all right, what non-government school alternatives, what non-public alternatives can parents pursue? And we've, you know, we've talked about this here and we will continue to talk about it. I mean, I've told you, you know my answer, homeschool. Homeschool is probably the best mode of education you can provide your child. And if you can't homeschool, then your second option is a classical Christian school. As a matter of fact, you may be able to homeschool, but you just may want your child in a classical Christian school anyway, just because of that environment. If you get yourself in a solid classical Christian uh, school, you know, providing a rich, robust education, your child will thrive in that environment. You know, over a period of several years, they are going to be absolutely stellar human beings. That's my prediction. So 
in that case, in that regard, I might uh, I might alter the, the the rankings of my suggestion and put a classical Christian education ranked at number one, even above homeschooling. Uh, I will always love homeschooling, though. You know, we homeschooled our two uh, for a couple of years before we started Waterbrook, and uh, it's just. I don't know that you can find a better option. Now, listen to me. It sounds like I'm I'm, I'm double talking, but I'm not. You know, because to me they're they're one and the same. Homeschooling and a private classical Christian education are very similar. They're just uh, they're both out there getting it done. All right, let's pause here. We're up against the break. We'll pick it up on the other side. You're listening to the Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Well, the year 2024 is upon us, and it is our chance to get it right and take back a free America. AmericaOutloud.news is your source for uncensored and factual news that facilitates truth and unity among all Americans to restore that American dream we have always cherished. Now is our time. My fellow Americans, America Outlaw Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. Cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, inflammation, and weight. These are all real-world problems that 87% of Americans are struggling with. Often, there are no symptoms, but left unattended, we become inundated with one health problem after another. It's time to fight back with Heal Right. Heal Right is a bar that you eat, but it's food as medicine that addresses the nutritional root cause of health issues in just eight weeks. Developed by world-renowned scientists and backed by 15 years of research, Heal Right is effective, but it's also delicious and works without additional diet or lifestyle changes. Step out of the statistics and use food as medicine Visit HealRight.com slash OutLoud or AmericaOutloud.shop and use the code OutLoud for 20% off. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Welcome back to segment three here of the Dean's List. I want to uh, finish this article. It's from Fox News. It's called Why America's Kids Are Hip to BLM and LGBT, But Are Failing ABC and 123. And, and then I want to dive into to some, uh, some things that are happening. All right. Some things that some hope on the horizon that's that's what i want to get into here that's maybe what we can wrap this thing up with if i can get to it so i'm going to get on it all right uh the, the author here says in a better time the educational troika that guided america's schools consisted of the educational triangle students parents and teachers Today's Troika sadly consists of unions, special interest, and union-funded politicians at the expense 
of everyone else. Together, they have engineered a government school system that is not only outrageously expensive and used to and used to propagandize our children, but that doesn't deliver even rudimentary basic education to its students. That, my friends, is by design. And it is a threat to the future of America. Uh, the, the educational triangle here, she says, students, parents, and teachers. Now, we've talked about uh, the plaque that Cindy and I came upon after a walk here in Michigan, walking one of the trails. The, uh, the Millington Trail, it's called, the Millington section of the... Uh, the Iron Bell, Bell Trail, which you know covers the the top of the of the upper UP down to the to the lower peninsula, the Millington portion of the trail ends at a school, Millington, and there's a pavilion there, and on in the pavilion, at the end of the trail, there's a plaque, and it's from Millington Schools in 1957, and they're dedicating a building, and. In the dedication, the I think I don't recall if it's the school board president or if it's the principal. I think it's the school board president. Don't quote me. I don't have it right in front of me. I think it's the school board president. And in his dedication, he talks about the sacred duty that the, that the school has with the family and the church. I mean, this is this is nineteen fifty seven. And the school district here in Michigan believed it had a sacred duty with the family and the church. So it's not even the educational triangle of the teacher, parents, and and and, and students. But it was uh, teachers, family, and church, ultimately. I mean, at least here in Michigan, that was the educational triangle. That's what we once believed in. That, my friends... I know this isn't, you know, this, I mean, even even a lot of Christians don't think that we should go back to that. I mean, there's pastors, you know, running around that, you know, want to, you know, that are that are buying the lie of separation of church and state. And the reason they're buying the lie is because they don't know our history. They 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 weren't taught it and they never looked at it for themselves. They never took the time to learn and study it on their own. And so we have the blind leading the blind. Um, you know, she says here, she wraps this article up where she talks about, you know, alternatives. She says the government schools may someday return to their position as trustworthy educators of the nation's children, but that will never happen till the unions and their allies are utterly eradicated from our schools. And I will say, that uh, in addition, it's not going to happen unless we get back to what things were. Uh, and, and I believe we have to get back to that, um, the the educational triangle or trifecta of the school, the family, and the church. I think the church has to be part of it. I think they have to be part of the solution. Now, I've got a couple articles here, and, and one is very interesting. I don't know if you've heard this yet, but uh, Florida takes a step toward that very thing. And this article, this is out of the, the Epic Times. The title is Florida Takes a Step Toward Opening Public Schools to Chaplains 
Bum, bum, bum. Yes. Uh, spiritual guidance could soon become an option for more of Florida's students as state legislation to approve chaplains in public schools moves one step closer to a vote. So it passed in committee. Uh, what is the committee that passed it? Uh, the Appropriations Committee on Education in the Senate. Right? Senate Bill 1044. The Appropriations Committee in the Senate, uh, the members voted four to one in favor of the legislation in its current form. So it's a five-member uh, committee. The the one member who voted against this, I, I, I want you to take a guess. Which political party do you, do you think they're from? If you said the Democrat, you are correct. The one person that voted against this, it was a Democrat. Of course it was a Democrat. The Democrats want nothing to do with this. They want nothing to do with chaplains, you know, uh, being in, in public schools. They don't want religion anywhere near our kids. Now, they're okay with second graders reading the book, My Shadow is Pink. They're fine with that indoctrination, but how dare we indoctrinate them in religion? So this one Democrat says, ah, no, I'm voting no. So, but in a four-to-one vote, it passes. Uh, if if passed by the by the full Senate and House, this bill would make Florida the latest state to open public schools to chaplains. Did you know this has also happened in Texas? Texas is the first state to pass such legislation, which allows chaplains to provide support, services, and programs for students. Uh, Abbott signed this in, in 2023. This was in June. So this was before this show started in June of 2023. Uh, but, but, but you know, it, it's happened. It's out there. And since then, 11 states have, have taken this up in, in one form or another. In a committee or somewhere on the House or Senate floor, 11 states have said, okay, let's look at chaplains. Now, there are uh, religious leaders who are upset about this. They don't think, um, and they're probably all Democrats, um, but they don't believe that, uh, you know, this should be a thing. Uh, however, uh, I think it's fantastic. The two-page legislation does not include a job description uh, beyond passing a background check, and it, it Neither does it propose a way to fund of the chaplains. Uh, however, it does seek to authorize a decentralized voluntary system in which individual school districts can set their own parameters. Can you believe that this bill puts individual school districts in charge? This is how it should be. The individual school districts in the community should be allowed to do this, it, you know, Chaplains get to take the role voluntarily, and parents get to decide if they want their children to interact with the chaplains. It's uh, let's let families make the decision. Uh, unlike the Democrats, who refuse to let families opt out of the LGBTQ curriculum and, and, and book reading, I mean the the appeals court in Maryland still hasn't decided yet. I don't know. Maybe they have. Last time I checked. There was still not a decision coming out of there to decide if parents had the ability to opt out. And, you know, the school that we talked about, this district in Minnesota the other day, 
where the uh, uh, Muslim parents were upset because they didn't want their kids reading, you know, My Shadow's Pink. And the district said, no, you can't opt out. Well, they have since, you know, backed off of that and they're allowing it. But this bill, you know, gives the choice to parents. Let parents decide. Uh, Republican state uh, senator from Florida, Gail Harrell, here's what she said. We are empowering the school districts to make decisions that are in the best interest of the children in their community and setting the requirements that they feel would be necessary to protect their children and make sure that any type of counseling is legitimate counseling and set the requirements thereof. Yeah, the, 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 parents, the parents are in charge here. And they might want their, their kids to see a chaplain. And kudos to Florida, kudos to Texas. The, the These two states continue to blaze the trail. They really do. They continue to lead the way. But surprisingly, we've got something that's come out of Georgia. Uh, this article is entitled, Georgia Board Upholds the Firing of Teacher Who Read Gender Non-Binary Books to Fifth Graders. Did you hear about this? So in April uh, 2022, uh, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed into law a slew of education bills. Uh, including one that prohibits classroom instruction that advocates for divisive concepts. All right, now that's kind of a broad category. I get it, um, it but it's there nonetheless. This legislative effort aimed at keeping what the Republican governor called woke politics out of the classroom. And it has since prompted school districts across the state to develop their own policies regarding topics that might violate the law. So here we are, we've got this situation where uh, this teacher, her name is Katie uh, Renderly. I don't know if that's Katie. I might be destroying your last name. I apologize. She'd been teaching at Due West Elementary School for 10 years. She was fired last August by the Cobb County School Board after parents complained about her reading My Shadow is Purple. All right, this is, I didn't see this book. I mean, My Shadow's Pink, yes, but this book is called My Shadow is Purple. She read it to her fifth grade class. Uh, the book, of course, encourages young readers to, quote, be true to themselves and explore beyond the gender binary. You know, that's why it's purple. You know, it's not pink, it's not blue, it's purple. Uh, the book uses colors of shadow as an analogy of gender norms. Whereas a boy's shadow is pink a, you know, or blue, a girl's shadow is pink. This book focuses on a six-year-old boy who has a purple shadow. And he enjoys a range of both stereotypically masculine and feminine activities, implying that he is what LGBTQ activists would call gender non-binary. All right, so she reads this book to her fifth graders. And parents in Florida and this and Cobb County just go through the roof. They're upset about it, as naturally they should be. Uh, and so the school board fired her. Um, in a party line, uh, four to three vote, the county school board uh, comprised, of course, of four Republicans and three Democrats. I mean, you know who, who who's voting for who here. Chose to fire Miss uh, Renderly. Uh, again, I'm sorry. Um, 
I believe in keeping our classrooms focused on academics and the Georgia standards, uh, said uh, school board mem- member Randy Scamahorn. While parents discuss social issues in their living room, he said, "Let's let's keep the let's keep the the gender stuff at home, and let's let the schools focus on academics, uh, and that's the way it should be." Um, and at their February 22nd meeting, the Georgia Board of Education voted unanimously to uphold their firing because Renderly appealed it. But just a couple of weeks ago, the Georgia Board of Education, so the state board, voted unanimously to uphold the firing. Uh, look, I don't want, you know, I, I, I don't want this lady to, to not have a job. But um, we need politicians and we need people with some backbone. They're going to say enough is enough. Uh, this book does not need to be read to fifth graders. It, it's a book about a six-year-old boy. Uh, all right, look, six-year-old kids, you know, they they want to they want to do both types of activities that might be considered uh, male or female. That they're kids, let them. But let's not uh, sexualize it. Let's not genderize it. Let's not turn it into something that it isn't where the six-year-old's designed to be both a boy and a girl. No, he's just he's just being who he is. He's being a child. Uh, so kudos, kudos to Georgia for, for standing up. Listen, uh, you know, we've got a lot of work to do, uh, but you know what? We've got to do it. We've got to do the heavy lifting. Uh, so what can a nation do? Yeah, you know, when it's education is falling apart, well, we can change things. We can stop doing what we're currently doing. Let's go back to what we were doing. All right. That's all the time we have for today, America. Thank you for joining me. We'll pick it up tomorrow. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age.